we're going to talk about something just a little bit different because let's just be honest. Uh, it's been a crazy week. It has been a crazy week. Now, many of you, you're worshiping online with us from all around the country, uh, all around the world. But if you've been here in Texas especially, it's been quite a week. Unprecedented winter storm came through. Guys, I'm thinking one of these days somebody is going to utter the word unprecedented. And we're just going to have to like restrain ourselves. Like we're going to be like, oh, we're just going to have to step back, take a little breath. Let me tell you about unprecedented. Let me tell you about record freezing temperatures. Let me tell you about uh, millions of people being without power in their homes and without water. Let me tell you about going to the grocery store and standing out in the cold in a, a long line just to get inside to find out that there's nothing on the shelves. <laughs> Let me tell you about unprecedented. But here, here's the thing. Let me tell you. With all the unprecedented challenge that we've experienced, there has been unprecedented good that has happened. Even in this past week, neighbors checking in on neighbors, people taking care of people. There's been a lot of unprecedented good that has happened. Let me tell you a story that I heard uh, just before this service. A lady came up to me and she said, you know, I heard you talking about how there's been a lot of good happened. She said, let me tell you, before this pandemic, my husband had walked away from our family and he had walked away from his responsibility to our home. And during this pandemic, he has stepped back in and he has stepped up to take on that responsibility. And now he is becoming the man that God has called him to be, the leader of our household. Can we just give God thanks? The test has come, the test has come, but when the test comes, so does the testimony. And I am so thankful for what God has done and what he is doing. I know that we're, we're not just going into a storm, we're not just coming out of or recovering from a storm. You may find yourself right in the midst of one right now. And if that's you, this message is for you. Because here's the truth, we're, we're all either uh, in a storm or we're headed for one or coming out of one. It's not a matter of uh, if the storm is coming, it is a matter of when. And so I'm excited to share a word with you that, that God has placed on my heart. Like many of you, uh, this past week we bundled up, we covered up, it got cold in that house, we did not expect the the power to go out. I mean, in our house, every time the, the, the power would uh, come back on, there would be cheering, and it's like, yay, and then it'd go right back off. And it's like, what's going on? We didn't expect this. We didn't prepare for this. And when the lights would go off, there would be weeping and wailing, and you, you could hear people, like, bumping into everything and, like, yelling across the house, like, what's going on? I don't know. I don't have any candles, <laughs> you know. It's like, be careful coming down the stairs, like pitch black, you know what I mean? Some of you have kind of gone through the, the same thing. I, I would have prepared a little differently, right? I don't know about you, but I would have prepared a little differently had I known what was coming. Had I known then what I know now, I might have prepared a little differently for the storm. I'll give you an example. We gave away all of our winter clothes. Now, we lived in Arkansas, it's not that we got a ton of snow, but we got some and we had all the gear. We had the, the snow boots, you know, that were waterproof. We had the jackets, we had the hats, we had the gloves that were perfect for playing. We gave all that away. 
because we were moving to South Texas. We thought we will never need any of this. I wouldn't have done that. Had I known then what I know now, I would have kept some of that. I'll tell you something else we would have done. We would have stocked up on more milk. We had, I, I'm embarrassed to even tell you this. We had three gallons of milk at the beginning of the week. Day three, zero gallons of milk. I said, guys, what in the world is going on? Why, why did you drink all the milk? I mean, I'm like thinking, like, this is Little House on the Prairie stuff. Like, we're pioneers on the frontier. It's like, this is going to be a hard winter. I know it's going to be 80 degrees in a few days, but come on. So, teaching moment, right? Like, I'm thinking, I need to prepare them to think ahead. And so, I, I gathered them together, and I said, guys, could you tell me what you would do differently? Like, if you know then what you know now, how would you, how would you prepare for the storm differently? And I'm thinking that someone's going to step up and go, I would have drank less milk. <laughs> but no. One of them spoke up and said, if I'd known then what I know now, I would have gone to Florida for the week. <laughs> well played. But here's what you and I know. We don't always get the choice, do we? We don't always get the choice to avoid the storm. Even if we can see it coming, sometimes we can't go around it. Sometimes the only option we get is to go right through it. And it's one thing to be caught off guard. It's one thing to be unprepared when a winter storm comes. But it's another thing altogether to be unprepared when the storms of life come. I don't know who needs to hear this message. But I, I have a sense that somebody is in the midst of a storm and needs to hear this message today. I have this sense that somebody is considering just giving up. I have a sense that somebody's already made the decision to give up. If that's you, my friend, if that's you, would you just give me a few minutes? Today, I promise you, I'm not going to just tell you to hold on. I want to take you to Scripture, and I want to show you how. I want to show you how Christians have held on in the midst of the storm for hundreds of years. I want to point you to an ancient practice that has carried people through the storm. So I want to invite you to turn to Psalm 13. Psalm 13. If you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to Psalm 13. If you have your Bible app, open there. If you don't have either one of those, then just put it in the search engine and it'll pull it right up for you. Because let me tell you something that I wish I would have had. Had I known then what I know now, you know what I would have had at my house? I wish I would have had a generator. You guys know the, the purpose of a generator. I, I was talking with my mom and dad. They're, they're, they still live there in Arkansas. I said, you guys doing okay? You know, power's out here. They were not worried about the power going out at their house because they had a generator. Because here's how it works. You, you fuel it up, and then if the power goes out, you plug it up, you crank it up, and then you get power. It is not a long-term solution, but it will get you through the day. Now, what I want to offer you today is a generator of sorts. It will not put heat in your house, but I promise you it will put hope in your heart. The generator that I want to offer you is the personal spiritual practice of lament. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. We're, we're not really good at this practice 
Maybe you've never heard of it. Now, maybe when you hear the word lament, you think, well, I might use that word. Deep grief, deep sorrow. I am lamenting something. But the practice of lament is when we take the reality of our pain and we take the reality of God's goodness and we connect the two. It is this practice that can get us through the storm when we find ourselves in the midst of the storm. It is this practice that got David through his storm. In Psalm 13, it is David who models this for us right here in Scripture. It's only six short verses, but in six short verses, he shows us how to get through the storm when we find ourselves in the middle of it. We're going to begin to read in verse 1. Look at what he says. He says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Can you hear the pain in his voice in these first two verses? Here's the thing that David shows us. To practice lament, the very first thing, if you find yourself in the midst of the storm, the first thing you have to do is, number one, acknowledge the pain. I told you, we're not, we're not real good at this because when it comes to pain, we really like to avoid it. We will do anything to avoid pain. We will suppress it. We will disavow it. We will try to drown it out with drugs and alcohol. We don't want any part of it, but I'm telling you, if you find yourself in the midst of the storm, you have to acknowledge the pain. This is, this is step one. David does this. He gets honest with God, which is kind of interesting because we know that God knows Sometimes we kind of pretend like he doesn't. David doesn't pretend. He gets honest. He comes before God and he's real. I want you to imagine for just a moment you're one of those stubborn people. Okay, so some of you aren't going to have to imagine as hard as others. And if you, if you just got the, the elbow nudge or the look, it's you. But I want, I want you to imagine that you're one of those stubborn people who you know something's off health-wise. Uh, something doesn't feel right, and even people around you are starting to notice. And they say things to you like, you know, you should really go to the doctor and get that checked out. And let's just say that, that even though you're one of those stubborn people, you finally decide to go to the doctor. And he says, tell me what hurts. And you say, doc. I'd really rather not talk about it. <laughs> now, how much healing do you think he's going to be able to provide you? Not much. Not because he lacks the resources, not because he lacks the skill or the ability, not because he lacks the power to do so, but it takes two to heal. Friend, God cannot heal what you choose to conceal. We're going to talk a lot about, more about that next week. But for right now, I just want you to hear that God cannot heal. It's not because he doesn't have the ability. It's not because he doesn't have the skill. It's not because he doesn't have the power. But it takes two to bring healing. And what we have to do is we have to do what David did and acknowledge the pain. Let it come to the surface and let's just call it for what it is. God, this hurts. David says, I feel forgotten. I feel beaten down. 
I feel like you have just kind of left me here, God. God, I feel like I'm not winning down here right now. And I don't, I don't even know if I feel like you care. Like, I can't see your face. Are you, are you hiding from me? What's the deal? David is real with God. But he's not only honest, he is humble. He's humble. You see, David, when you acknowledge pain, bring the pain, but leave your pride at the door. We don't come before God and demand that we deserve better. No, and David doesn't do this. He's honest, he's bringing his complaint, but David leaves his pride at the door. Just like a a generator can't run on water, you put water in a generator, guess what's going to happen? Nothing. And that's the same way it works when we try to to practice lament with pride, with a pride-filled heart. Listen, lament runs on honesty and it runs on humility. Now, how do we stay humble? Simple. We remember who God is. Bring your complaint. Be honest with God. Be raw. Be real with God. But when you do, don't forget who he is. And don't forget what he has done. When we lament, we acknowledge the pain. But number two, we bring a bold request. As soon as David gets honest with God, he gets bold before God. Look at these words, verse 3. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. David is saying, God, I feel like my enemies, they're, they're taunting me. Now, we don't know exactly when Psalm 13 was written, but we know David is fearing for his life. Now, whether this happened before he became king or after he became king, David knew that he was the anointed of God. What does this mean? This means that when, when he's writing, he doesn't just feel this for himself. He feels this for the entire nation of Israel. And he says, God, I feel like my, my enemies are closing in. They're taunting me. And so David brings a request. He says, look on me, oh God. Have you ever just wanted to say that? God, just look at me. See me. Give light to my eyes. David not only brings a request, he brings a bold request. Friend, I believe that boldness is so underrated in the Christian life these days. Now, I'm not talking about boldness in my truth. I'm not talking about boldness based on who I am. But I am talking about boldness that is rooted and based in who God is. You see, when we we come before God, boldness in who we are, that's pride. But when we come before God in boldness, based on who he is, that's prayer. Here at Oak Hills Church, one of our core values is persistent prayer. Last week I told you that our number one core value was God dependence, and it was number one for a reason. This, my friends, is a close second. Because prayer fuels our relationship with God and aligns us to his will. 
This is the, the beauty of, the, of a prayer of lament. As we practice this, as we acknowledge our pain and we bring a bold request, this is the beauty of it because it is bold. And you know what? It just keeps coming. It does not stop. It's a prayer that is persistent. And it's a prayer that is contagious. Because here's what happens. Sometimes I just don't have a prayer. I don't have a prayer to offer. I, I can go before God and it's like empty. But when I hear you pray boldly, it emboldens me. It emboldens me to the point that now I can go and I can pray with someone else. And my prayer, my bold prayer before God is now strengthening them. Here it kills. We are disciples who make disciples. This means you will be walking with people who are in the midst of a storm. You may not find yourself in the midst of one, but you may be walking with someone who does. And when you do, they're going to need your bold prayer based in the confidence of who God is and what he has done. Maybe you could check in on a neighbor, call someone up, say, how can I pray for you? You never know when what they need is the gift of your boldness. So make a bold request because this will lead us all to number three, to choose trust. This is where we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to that place where we can choose trust even in the midst of the storm. Look at what David says, verse five. Now, keep in mind, he's still in the midst of the storm. He's still fearing for his life. And here's what he says. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Now, I want to point out something right here because anytime you see this in Scripture, this is some of my favorite words in Scripture, especially when you find them in a lament. That word right there but, or sometimes it's however, or sometimes it's yet, but I, but God. When we see those words, we know there's a turn. We have turned from acknowledging the pain and making the bold request to now someone is choosing trust. When you see those words, you know that someone is making a decision at a point in their life where life doesn't make sense. A decision is made when life doesn't make sense. If you're anything like me, you like to connect all the dots. God, I'll choose trust. If I just need to, I need to be able to see this and if you could show me this. And then there's this thing over here. If I, could, if I just knew that was good, if I could count on that, then I would choose trust. But here's the thing. When we're in the midst of the storm, when you're in the midst of the storm, you don't always have all the dots to connect. David says, I will sing. Why, David? Because God has been good to me. David says, I got one dot to connect, and that's it. God, I've looked at your record. I have looked at your faithfulness to me. I have looked at your love, and I've come to the conclusion that you have never let me down. 
You see, David's confidence in the future, it is based, it is rooted in his past experience of God. His confidence in the future is rooted in the past because he has experienced God's faithfulness. God, you've never let me down, and that's all I need. And you know what? At this point when he's writing, that's all he had. If you're in the midst of the storm, maybe that's all you have too. It's all you need. It's all Jesus needed. Jesus himself modeled this for us. As he hung on the cross, his last, some of his final words were, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What is he doing? He's acknowledging the pain to his father. You know what else he's doing? He's quoting a psalm. He's quoting Psalm 22, which happens to be a lament. In Jesus' final moments, he's quoting a lament. He is acknowledging the pain before his father. As he hangs on that cross, he also brings a bold request as he looks down and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But if you're familiar with Psalm 22, you know kind of where it ends up. Look at this. Psalm 22, 22 says, I will declare your name to my people in the assembly I will praise you. So from my God, my God, why have you forsaken me to I will praise you. And despite of the circumstances, despite of what the circumstances around me are telling me, I choose trust. Now, here's the thing about lament. It does not eliminate the pain. It does not eliminate the suffering. But what it does is it wraps it up in the hope of Jesus. Death, it still hurts. We still feel the the, the coldness of saying goodbye to a loved one. But wrap it up in the hope of Jesus and we no longer see an ending. We see a beginning. Wrapped up in the hope of Jesus, we see a resurrection that's coming. Why? Because God raised his son from the dead. You see, this is what happens when death gets wrapped up, gets swallowed up by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sin Does it still have consequence? Yes. Does it still hurt when we disobey, when we go our own way and we do our own thing? Yes, there are consequences. And yes, the pain can still be there. But wrap it up in the hope of Jesus. And now, there is now no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It does not, lament does not eliminate the pain and the suffering but it transforms it as it leads us to the place where we can choose trust, even when we're in the midst of the storm. Now, let's be honest. Some days it's easier than others to choose trust. Some days are really, really hard. 
I want to offer you three things that you can do on those days to choose trust. Number one, choose trust through God's word. When you don't have the words yourself to say, yet will I praise you, I'm going to sing your praise. When you, when, you don't, when you don't have that, choose trust through God's word. Let David say it for you. Go to Psalm 13. When you don't have the words, open up Psalm 13 or one of the laments and just pray it. When you don't have the words, go to God's word. Recite and recall the promises of God. Go throughout scripture. Look at the things that God has promised. Look at the promises that he's made. Recall the promises that he has kept. God's word. You can, you can have solid ground on those days when you struggle. Number two, choose trust through God's spirit. This is the coolest thing. When you receive Jesus, you receive God's very spirit within you. And on those days that you don't have the words, get this, the spirit prays on your behalf. He speaks for you. He walks right into the throne room of God. And he says, God, I've got a word for your child. Look at this, Romans 8, 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So on those days that you don't have the words, you have the words because the Spirit is going to give you those words. The Spirit is going to pray on your behalf. And number three, Sometimes we choose trust through God's people. Here at Oak Hills, we believe in biblical community because we understand that we need each other. We understand that we weren't created. We weren't designed to go through the storm alone. In fact, we believe that we were created to weather together. It's just the way God made us. And sometimes maybe someone has something that I, that I don't have. Maybe they have that bold prayer when I need it. And sometimes... When I'm in biblical community, I'm able to, to choose trust because of the faith and the boldness of the people around me. Listen, God will not direct you where his grace cannot protect you, but sometimes that protection comes through the people that God has put in your life. The biblical com community that surrounds you. Because it's not a matter of if the storm is coming. It's a matter of when. Even Jesus said this, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, take heart, take heart. If you find yourself in the midst of the storm right now, take heart. How do we do that? By taking hold. We take heart by taking hold of the one who has overcome the world. If you've not taken hold of Jesus, you are not prepared for this storm. But right now it is not too late. You can take hold of the one who can hold you together no matter what is coming your way. He is faithful. Just say, Jesus, I am choosing to trust you. Forgive me of my sin. I receive you. I give you my life. I trust you you this practice of lament we're not so good at it 
because we usually skip the first step. Acknowledging pain is, it's hard for us. But it's important for us. God cannot heal what you choose to conceal. And in this practice of lament, we do what David did. David said, I choose trust. Well, how did we know that David chose trust? Because he said, I will sing. You know you've chosen trust when you can sing. And sometimes you can't even get the words out, but you just raise your hands while others around you can sing the words. But listen, we still sing. Now, we sing, at least for now, what I like to call a for now song. It's, it's, it's a hallelujah, but it's kind of a broken hallelujah because we're not home yet. We sing our for now song, but listen, like a, like a generator is a short-term solution, our for now song is short-term. God is working on a long-term solution. Jesus said this in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. And then look at this. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to what? Prepare. Jesus says, I'm preparing. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know, sometimes you just, when the storm's coming, you need certain things in your emergency storm kit. Listen, the, what we need is we need God's promises in our emergency storm kit. And what we just read, I would suggest to you, are one of those promises. Memorize this scripture. I used to have John 14 on my, back on, in the day when we had uh, computers that had screensavers. This was, the, this was the verse right here, one through three. I had it scrolling across. Now, just kind of paraphrased, I will come back. I will come back. It's a promise. Let's recite it. Let's hide it in our heart. Because it won't be long. And we're going to sing not a for now, for now song. We're going to sing our forever song. One of these days, God is going to wipe away all tears. As we sing our forever song, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's our forever song. And friend, every day is one step closer to gathering with all the saints that have come before us to sing that song, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. But for now, but for now we sing our for now song. And because of the brokenness in our world, it is a song of lament. But that's okay. We don't have to ignore the pain, the reality of our pain. It is not trust, blind trust. It is not trust without reason. It is trust based in who God is and what he has done. So, let's acknowledge the pain. Let's bring a bold request. And let's choose trust. Let's pray. Father, you know our hearts and you know the burdens. You know whether we're headed into a storm. You know whether we are recovering from one. You know whether we are still right in the middle of it. 
So Father, would you give us the courage to acknowledge the pain, give us the courage to make a bold request, give us the courage to choose trust as we trust in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in his name, we pray and all those who agreed said, amen.